0: Welcome to Listening to Paint Tribe with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. Now, technically, we're still on break to March 17th when we come back with the episode about Irish fairy tales and miniature painting, but we wanted to throw some content out there to make sure you didn't forget about us. This is a fantastic interview that we had with James Otero from Siege Studios over in the United Kingdom as we continue continue our international art party. Um, it's really interesting to me uh, to see how markets are different, etc. And so while we have had American commissioned painters such as Mini Masterworks and John McAvoy on. We now have the opportunity to have a conversation with Siege Studios and James in order uh, to see what's going on in the UK and how how, uh, the business might be different there. So without further ado, Dan and I are pleased to present an interview with James Zotero of Siege Studios. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much.
1: I really appreciate you having me. So thank you.
0: Now, um, Before the interview, we started talking about a little bit of the craziness of of the world of COVID and quarantine. So, how have things been going for you in the United Kingdom?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, it's been um, to be honest, it's been uh, well, very, very difficult. Like, I think uh, we've had three lockdowns here in the UK, and um, I don't want to jump into politics. I'm not very political at all, but like, the the reality is, is that we've been told one thing, and then the next thing, and then so on and so forth. So, we've kind of had to kind of like, I think not specifically just about business but i think as a as like a as an as a community and as a society i think we just had to try and do the best that we think is morally right if that makes sense Um, there's not been like that much sort of like clear sort of like you've got to do this or you can't do this or you've got to have this or you've got to be a certain way or whatever the case may be um as a business like this year has been it's been super busy um like super 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 busy uh, but at the same time, like not having the, the normal infrastructure that we would normally have as a company. So, like you know, all the all the office staff, apart from myself, working from home as much as possible. Um, obviously, anyone who has to physically be in the building, like for example, with shipping or packing and things like that, being in the building. But any digital tasks, like media production or you know, management of the team or whatever, uh, painting, obviously, all those kind of things, has to be done from home, which is just—it's like it's like losing the internet and losing your mobile phone and trying to communicate with people because when you're in the office, you can just look across to somebody else in a different department or talk to one of the artist managers or whatever the case may be and go, Oh, this needs to be done. Or or, there's this, that we we need to talk about this. Whereas it's like, Oh, have you got time now? Are you in the middle of doing something? And it just, it breaks down the whole process of having the team centrally in the office. It makes it a lot harder. Um, so yeah, like it's been interesting, like very, very busy. Um, an extremely interesting and for this year I say this year but obviously still thinking with the 2020 hat on like my, my job has become increasingly more to be a fireman rather than be the normal thing that I do and just you know luckily I watched there was there's a kids program in england when i was a kid called fireman sam and i watched that plenty enough so it prepared me for what i had to do last year so you know it's just you know it's been a very very interesting year and um and let's just hope that we get all get through this for everything not just toy soldiers as soon as possible so
0: yeah <laughs> Well, I'm surprised uh, you didn't reference uh, Thomas and being a useful engine, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, take, take me back from when I was reading on your website. You started in the the world of miniature painting around nine years old. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: so um, so my I started in 40k. Like, I got into like uh, Warhammer and discovered Warhammer at nine. But um, but my my grandfather was in uh, was in the British Army during the Second World War. And, um, and he, uh, he essentially got me into air fix kits from a very young age, about five or six. Um, so I was, I always say this is a bit of a joke, but I was, I was sticking the wings on, on, on backwards on spitfires and things from a very young age, you know, not doing, not, not following the instructions, you know, et cetera. Um, so, so yeah, I, um. I was always doing models as a kid, and even before that, like my mum, my parents didn't really buy me like loads of toys as a kid. Like, they, like during summer, they put me out in the garden with a long roll of like blank wallpaper, six paints, and I'd just sit there merrily for hours on end, just painting in the back garden, rather than being a nuisance I suppose so um so so I've always kind of had some kind of painting aspect to to me I imagine like uh, you know in in school I was very much into art and all these kind of things and and you know I had the break like everybody else did um you know I was in I was in music I was in touring bands you know um you know for, for many years and then came back to it after that all finished and we didn't get as far as we were hoping to get and all that kind of stuff but um but yeah, so, so I, 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 my nan bought me my first bag of Warhammer from a charity shop and it actually turned out to be some second edition sort of models and sort of rogue trader models, like just some metal space. I saw, uh, I saw soldiers with guns and I fell in love. So, you know, um, so that's kind of like where the addiction kind of started and my, you know, my mum will always blame my nan for getting me into painting to a soldier, but never mind. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where, that's, that's, that's kind of where it started. And, um, and, uh, you know uh i used to obviously do the whole thing where you go with your friends down to games workshop you make friends obviously from you know oh i'm doing this oh i do that or my brother does that i might do that and then you get your friends into it and all that kind of stuff so i had a good good sort of group of friends doing it when i was a kid we used to go down to games workshop every weekend on the saturday and sunday play games down there buy loads of models which kept the store manager happy you know all those all those all those things and um and then um then essentially um you know we uh, uh i I was in school, I was painting models still like come uh, some of my friends would then started asking me kind of like oh can do you do you want to paint this for me or can you paint this for me or you know uh, you know so i started I started getting it like you know um I started getting like people asked me to paint stuff at a young age um and then obviously. Went to secondary school. I was at secondary school, obviously six form, all that kind of stuff. Done all of that, and then I had a big break. As I mentioned, I was in music for many years in touring bands. Um, you know, while working in around touring and kind of stuff like that, uh, I worked in recruitment. So I was recruiting for different people in like mechanical and electrical engineering, sort of roles. Um, band finished after many years, and um, and then I uh, then I came back home to my room in my parents' house, and um, and went in the loft, found my Warhammer and fell back in love with it all over again um yeah so that's basically kind of how i got started into it Uh, and that's kind of like you know my 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 dive into the swimming pool that is warhammer (laughs) right
0: Right. so um in in that, that that you've rediscovered warhammer um what made you decide to want to take your painting to a higher level instead of necessarily tabletop but kind of go in that next step
1: I think I think what it is is like I've always I've always had a bit of OCD I think about doing things the best I can or being as like as neat as I physically can and taking you know if you're gonna the way I look at it and I always talk about this is like the the one thing that you're investing into painting miniatures is is time and like um, and you don't get that time back it's the one commodity that uh, that passes us by it's not physical but and you can't physically hold it or manifest or do anything with it but it passes us by whether we and we spend it wisely or not wisely and I think for me it's like when I was painting, I was like, right, well, I'm not going to get this time back that I'm painting. So if I'm going to paint, I'm going to try and paint to the best of my ability, if that makes sense, because I want to I push myself. And I've always been very driven. I've always tried to sort of, achieve things and better myself and and learn from mistakes and things like that so so that's why I kind of always always have tried to 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 do that and and push myself as hard as possible when it comes to to my painting um you know and uh you know that's why I got interested in competition painting from from a very young age because you know it's it's I I I personally I think this is true for for most most humans in whatever it is that you do sports or anything when you're in an adverse situation or when you need to rise to an occasion you you grow more as a as an athlete or grow more as a painter or grow more as an individual through adversity and difficulty um, it's something that I say on the on the courses which we teach, uh, you know, the physical classes when well, when we could teach them because of the pandemic. But, you know, your comfort zone and complacency are your enemy, because if you stay within those things, you're never going to progress as a painter. You're never ever. You, you need to be pushing the envelope every single time. Um, and that's kind of where my mindset comes from when it comes to painting. It's that I'm spending time on something, so I want to do it to the best of my ability. Um, and, and And that's what spurred me on at a young age to push and practice and try and become a much better
0: painter. So is there a, a technique um that you felt was particularly challenging to learn? I'm getting it, you know, between glazing and layering or uh, contrast, etc.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I think um I think like one uh, of for, for me and through my journey of painting, I think there's been several uh several key points where I, I've tried things and, and and failed at them and then practiced it again and tried again and it, you know, specifically like um all paints are very, very different, and you need to learn each paint individually. They're kind of like people; they have their own personalities. They may be made by the same manufacturer, but they're very, very different. If that makes sense, some, some, you know, dry matte, some dry satin, some have better coverage, some have better pigment displacement. There's loads of different things with paint that you have to learn. And I think that was the thing; it's that it was the learning of of certain paints that are useful for certain tasks. So, for example, like with with layering and blocking in and getting solid base coats on miniatures uh, with a brush, not not obviously an airbrush. I mean we use airbrushes and i use an airbrush but when you're doing it with a brush it's it's getting the right consistencies to allow smooth coverage combining it with obviously the paint flowing correctly on the surface of the miniature and the, you know and all those kind of things and on top of that you also have these personalities that individual paints have that some will need a slight better dilution or slightly more dilution for example to get that right coverage and consistency and, and finish finish result um so that was one of the first hurdles i think for me was just un- st- starting to learn and master different uh, behavioral properties of paint and what they're better on or, or I, I, I never believe that there's a rubbish paint I, I I firmly believe that there are paints that are better for certain tasks and that are worse for certain tasks just because a paint is no good for a certain thing it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not good for another other technique or other purpose if that makes sense um so definitely that so understanding paint and learning learning uh, consistencies to get different results and finishes and so on and so forth blending was a huge like huge uh, step up for me like when I properly learn how to blend and i'm not talking like wet blending. i'm talking layer blending where you add really really thin layers to get subtle transitions and so on and so forth um me being the ocd person i am i find wet blending very uncontrolled like you have to get two wet bits of paint move it together and hope that they merge into some kind of transition whereas when you layer blend (laughs) yeah when when you like when you layer blend you 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 get a very very um a very controlled process and you can add less or more depending on what kind of transition or finish or look that you wish to achieve. So that was a huge, huge step for me. Um, and on top of that, it's always been, uh, I think the third thing that's been integral to, to, to personally for me as a painter, perhaps developing or pushing myself is, is just really becoming more and more refined. It's very easy to, to, to be messy and to put things on quickly and to be rough or un- un- unmethodical or uncontrolled. I think, um, mastering refinement and and pushing to be as neat and as sharp and as tight as you can to sort of highlight lines or recess pin shading or all these different things um when you are in that mindset of i must paint the best i can you're always going to grow the most in my opinion um you know and i think that i think that that's one of the things that with the mindset i have and, and the way that i paint now um painting will increase it has to increase because you're always trying to better yourself if that makes sense again if you're if you're if you're comfort zoning if you're complacent you know you're never going to grow so i think they're the three things it's understanding and learning paint and the dilutions and what and the behavioral properties of many different paint manufacturers and, and paints within those ranges uh, blending getting smooth blends and transitions by layer blending not not wet blending and then also uh, you know just learning to become more refined and more controlled and developing brush control i think they're the, they're the three things which are very important
0: Okay so now in in this context um kind of critique your own work where is an area that you feel like you you need to pr- you want to improve uh as far as your painting yeah. techniques go
1: I mean yeah. for for me it's
0: me, me it's all the above um you know <laughs> you know cuz I still when I wet blend I make mud you know I'm like
1: yeah um i i think I think probably uh, well the, anyone who knows me knows i 'm like the biggest blood angel fanboy ever so like um so like not painting red is the first thing, <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the that's the first thing is not painting red because I I do that all the time um, looking at my shelf in the office with all the blood angel models I've painted, um, yeah. So not painting red is the first thing, um, and that's what I've been trying to do uh, over the, the 2020 and this year is um, is not is not paint red. Um, there, there is nothing I think, wrong
0: with painting space vampires. Okay, there's no. Super I know, super I know they're, they're, they space are the best. Okay.
1: Rule. <laughs> I know, I have uh, uh, not that your listeners will see it, but I have the the ultimate. Space vampire right behind me. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but the, but the thing is, is like, um, is, uh, yeah, like, so this is what I tried to do through 2020 is try and paint as much stuff that doesn't involve painting red. Um, and I think it's, it's always a quest to just improve, improve as much as I can. Like, I think, um, I think I, I really, really like adversity, and I like things being difficult because it just makes me work harder. And, to, and once you have put that effort and graft in, you it becomes the norm. So you're always jumping over the next highest hurdle, if that makes sense. Um, I think uh, something I'm weak on, and I'm I'll always I'm more than happy to admit my weaknesses, like like text on text, like like scroll work and stuff like that. Not not specifically like the the really tiny tiny stuff that isn't actually text but looks like it. I mean, like actually getting concentric super sharp writing on like scrolls and banners and. Names and things like that, I think that 's a great weakness of mine and it 's something that I really really do i 've got a project which i 'm doing at the moment that involves some of that and i 'm really really putting in a lot of practice on loads of spare shoulder pads and things to make sure I get it exactly how i I want it to look and how it should look if that makes sense um, it 's something that I think uh, you know it is really really pushing your brush control and trying to make you as as, as concise and as neat as possible understanding the, the you know the spacing making it look like it's spaced correctly getting the central letter incorrectly getting the bookmark letters in and all that kind of stuff i think it's something that i've been very weak on in the past uh, i've not been happy with anything i've ever done with writing wise in that sense and i think it's the next hurdle for me to try and master as best as possible for, for me where i am that now
0: yeah especially in the context of space marines and purity seals you know i mean my god they're all over the place right <laughs> <laughs> but but I gotta tell you though, yeah. GW broke my heart. I was so excited when I heard Death Company Primaris, and then I saw them and I'm like those are just intercessors. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> come yeah. on, put yeah. a little effort. Yeah, but they'll make it yeah, up like, to me. Uh, like I have. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah. No 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 sorry I don't, sorry there was a tiny bit of lag sorry apologies um but yeah I agree with you completely I was a little bit underwhelmed by them I thought you know I thought I you know um. I I, I like the Primaris range. Don't get me wrong, like um, I do. There are there are the intercessors are a lovely kit. Like there's some really really cool models from from the Primaris range. However. some of the models i'm just not a big fan on at all whatsoever um and also like i i understand why from a business perspective why the models aren't as multi-part as they used to be because i understand how it it can be it can be difficult to 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 get like um to get uh the, the the poses to look good straight away off the bat when they have like a ball socket waist connection if that makes sense um but but i think part part of this hobby is the modeling aspect of it and getting those poses and adding that narrative and character to your miniatures, uh, for your personal collection is, is something that's a little bit overlooked now, in my opinion. Like I think like the the new primaris range, as good as they are and as good as the sculpts are like, the, the sort of the the, the mid section of the model being fixed in a certain way everyone 's armies tend to look the same now with primaris it's the same model in the same pose and you've only got like three or op- two options per model if that makes sense in the way it can be posed um, so I think personally for me, I would rather have a kit that still has that multi part aspect to it whereby you have the waist connection and you don't necessarily have to have the front and back of the torso be separate or whatever but I think they've missed a trick at, at really making the kit as as, as converting as, as convertible as possible, and that's really evident with the, with the Death Company kit. Like you know, um, as a massive Blood Angels fan, the Death Company should be charging at you, or should be doing you know absolutely berserk motion, and to have them in a very fixed, almost not full of rage kind of pose just doesn't really. You know, it's like it's like on the box of a DVD having it be an action film, and then when you put it in the DVD player, it's a kids' cartoon. You know, that's the only way I can explain it. You know, it <laughs> right. it, it doesn't it doesn't they don't look how they would be in the if, in my opinion. And, and I've seen people convert the the assault intercessors that came with Indomitus. Um, I think I think posing and that the, the multi part the true multi part aspects of the kit. I think you know all well and good for starter models to have them in that way, but the re- the proper kits, the full kits. Uh, should be properly multi-part not front and back of torso uh, and legs attached in do you see what i mean i think i think they've missed a tiny trick on that personally but i understand from business and as a business owner why making the models easy and not a barrier to entry and not a big sort of everest to climb for a young child is, is 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 why they've done it and i do get that so so yeah
0: yeah, I'm hoping they make it up to me with Primaris Sanguinary Guard. Then I'll be okay. Like if we get like real yeah. good size, and if they tweak the wings a little bit, because that's the one thing that always drives me bananas about that kid of the wings on them. Yeah, I
1: don't, I don't put the, put the wings on mine. I don't. I think I think it's really funny. Like I, I get why they've done it because they're supposed to look like angels and all of that, blah blah. However, these these guys are the best of the best. They, if they're in combat with those giant wings on, they're going to be swinging around like maniacs, and the wings are going to be hitting either their their brothers or they're going to be hitting the enemy with their wings rather than their weapons and getting in the way. It just seems very 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 cumbersome and, and awkward. Um, so on my ones in my personal Blood Angel army, I just I t- I, don't, I didn't stick the wings on. They've just got the single thruster, small jump pack. They look really sleek, really sort of like uh, you know they're not going to they're they're fast if that makes sense, and that's that's yep. the way that they look. You
0: know, exactly. so, so yeah. So, you know, I, I gotta tell you, I am not familiar um at all with the world of commission painting. Um, so I'd like to dive into a little bit of that. But uh what what yeah, sure. kind of turned uh the corner for you to say, you know what, uh from miniature painter and gamer to I want to start a commission painting business. Uh can you walk us through that a little
1: bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure, sure, not a problem at all. Um so like, I I when I came back from being in bands and touring, I um I uh, essentially came back to my parents' house, got my stuff out of the loft, started painting again. And at that point, I've always been, again, you know, as I said, I've always been some form of artistic in doing painting or doing different bits and bobs. Um, And, um, and I, I just started recording some videos on YouTube, like some tutorials and sort of like, Oh, here's my models, blah, blah. And, and, I got a little bit of a following on, on, you know, and I'm not like a massive YouTuber or anything like that, but I got, you know, a decent amount of subscribers quite early on, like, you know, about five, 600 subscribers or whatever. And i had a little bit of a community where people were like talking to me about stuff. I had a couple of guys approach me and say, look, we've seen what you do. Um, we, we'd love to talk to you about perhaps, you know, free, you, you freelance painting for us. I was like, oh, okay, like that, you know. So, um, so obviously, I, I, I was none the wiser. I, I, that's the kind of first sort of understanding of commission painting in the sense of it doing it within the industry. And um, and I'd I done some work for them, but obviously I was full time recruitment consultant back then. You know, working sort of like sixty hours a week, blah blah, whatever. And um, and there were things for, how things were done with the way that they would deal with clients, and it was extremely unprofessional. There was I was painting models for a real, sort of like hardly anything at all. So I mean, um, investing lots of time doing it and not getting that much of a financial return, or not get, having you know the professionalism that should come with a business transaction if that makes sense, so it was almost like in my day job having like a super corporate you know regimented you must do it this way otherwise there 's loads of things that could have negative things that could happen and then within that it being comp- it's being essentially the same thing a business transaction, but it being completely separate and and not done that same way so um I just decided to start my own business doing commission painting because uh, I wanted to, you know, I thought well, if this is how it's done, I can do this so more professionally, you know, incorporating all the things that I that I do on a day-to-day basis for the, at that point, uh, nine years of recruitment I've been doing um, that I can run things like a professional business in the, and, and, and you know, do things that as a consumer, I would, I would expect or would be new to because it's not been doing not, not, not happening currently in the industry, if that makes sense and that's kind of like where siege came from so i actually started painting under the name siege studios in sort of mid 2012 kind of like uh, mid to late 2012 all the way through 2013 um, and then at uh, the latter part of 2013 i um i essentially uh, got saw that matt from mini wargaming was was looking for people to paint um some models for for mini wargaming um, so obviously I, I had some photos of my work. I sent him an email and I, th- and I thought nothing of it. I didn't, you know, I then get an email back saying, oh yeah, we'd really love to 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 use you and get you to paint some miniatures and in return we'll, we'll do a video for you for your painting. I was like, oh great, that'd be brilliant. I'll get my, my models paint that I've painted on a big channel. That'd be, that'd be brilliant. Um, so I did it. I sent the models off as part of their um, their I think it's like Masters of the Forge mini wargaming chapter. I think it's called. I can't remember what it's called. But it's green and it's green and yellow with some silver accents. Really, really cool color scheme. Um, and and that was it. So I sent the models off. Done it. I done. We done I done a whole army for them, pretty much. Um, and. Um, and then one weekend, I was going up to, to a tournament at Warhammer World here in the UK. And uh, with, it was like a weekend, Battle Brothers, I think it was like 600 points per person on like, your duo team, like you had 1,200 points in total. So first day went by, it was brilliant. And then on, on the Sunday, I woke up, my phone was going crazy, like literally, like, it was going absolutely mad. And I was like, what, 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 what is going on? So I, I checked my email, and um, and I woke up to like fifteen hundred emails plus from from like, oh, I've seen your video or mini war game. I've seen your painting. I'd love you to do some painting for me. Oh yeah, blah blah. And then I it twigged. It, it made me, I realised. I was like, well, the, uh, they must have put my email address in the description, which I checked, and they had. And and that's kind of like. The, the, the sort of the spark that happened like you know I, I, I was like right well I can't deal with this all on my own you know um, and I was living in a tiny little flat above a chemist uh, where I've been where I've been doing siege like as a little business side hustle to my full-time recruitment job um, you know and um, so I got some of my friends that were in the competition circuit that were doing like, to help me out and to start with working for the business I went right well I'm going to start a business I'm going to contract everybody as a freelance artist going to you know, do it all professionally like a professional business um, you know and 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 then obviously that's where it, where it went on we obviously got more and more work but you know more and more people started coming on board as in like i started recruiting for just rather than just a couple of my friends working for the business it was just people that had applied for the adverts that i put out for freelance team members um, you know so it's like you know from that point in 2013, 2013 2014 we, i registered the business and incorporated it in in august of 20, uh, 2014 um we've obviously now eight years down the line uh, we've got 42 painters that work for the company we've got an office of seven staff now that work in the office um you know two floors of a building here in in wickford in essex in england and um and and, and you know that and it's just you know i am consistently humbled every single day week and month by this company and where it's going and and, and, and the, the, the amazing people that I get to work with on a day-to-day basis in the sense of the team that we're here at Siege and also that our clients as well. It's just, it's been a bonkers journey that I genuinely from the bottom of my heart couldn't, couldn't even dream for. You know, I honestly, I, I feel so privileged to, to, to wake up every day and do something that I consider my passion and love as opposed to a job. Obviously it's work to me, but it's, I, it's even more than that because I love it. So, so
0: Yeah. That's a that that's impressive. You know, I know there was a, at one point there was some uh, controversy over the mini wargaming, the way they kind of did that commission versus you know like we yeah. can't pay you but we'll advertise yeah. you type thing. Yeah, thing. yeah, so, and I think I think your your story is kind of I and I think Dan and I kind of fell on two different sides of this, and I I was more of the you know if it actually does generate business and the artist goes into it consensually and knows what's going to happen then you know yeah. that's a business decision they're making yeah. and it seems to have really paid off in that context for you for sure yeah. and i think i remember hearing i think i remember seeing the video where they launched their you know their painted army and i was like i was sitting here like i was i i'd heard of siege studios before but i i wasn't sure where i'm 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 wondering if my brain was recalling it from their uh their video, yeah, possibly.
1: possibly yeah, I mean, I just like to say, obviously, I was aware of that that controversy that happened, and and to be honest, that happened meant that whole thing was many years after I I, I first obviously worked with them, and we've done numerous projects in the early days, so 2013, 2014, 2015 But quite frankly, and I and I'll, I, you know, I'm I'm very black and white in the way I am as a person, and I'll always be direct and honest about stuff. I wouldn't have the business that I'd do if we didn't have that initial launch for Mini Wargaming that we did back in the day. And I've said that to Matt's face when I saw him at Adepticon in 2019. Like, you know, again, I, I never got the opportunity to thank him face to face for giving me that opportunity and giving Siege that opportunity. Um, however, I would say that, obviously, as you quite rightly said, if, you, if, if the artist or company, whatever, goes into it voluntarily, understanding that the, what they are getting in return... see is is free advertising essentially you know um that that then that's fine but like i understand why people would have an issue with not getting paid i do get that but it but again and this is where it's a bit of a gray area and this is what i talk about obviously within the industry and when i talk about the commission painting industry and it is very much like the wild west that's the way i describe it i always have done there's no regulatory body there's no governing body there's no one that sets standards there's no guarantee this is what tabletop or this is what above tabletop or this is what competition quality is like there's no metric to analyze that and before you even talk about anything like that like um The the thing that you are selling as a company or as an individual when you commission paint is time as I mentioned already like experience as a painter is just time invested over many years right, it's like it's like anything like and some people disagree with me on the one about to say next but I consider commission painting a trade like an electrician, a plumber, a carpenter you do have to have training and go on courses and all those kind of things to to learn and develop that skill however as as a miniature painter you spend years practicing and getting better and better and better which is no different other than a piece of paper saying you passed an exam to what electricians, carpenters and anyone else goes through so I do see commission painting as a trade, it is experience and time invested to be able to do something and it's your choice as a commission painter or as a painter, how you spend that time. And if you wish to, Oh, I'm going to paint this for my friends. I don't want anything for it because I'm painting it for it for my friends. If you give that away for free, that's your choice and your prerogative as a business. If you put a price on that time and sell it, that's also your prerogative, if that makes sense. And I think that because we come for this industry it's, it's very different. And I've said this in many interviews and stuff. And I've talked to people before, like, um, our industry started with the greatest respect to Games Workshop and to everybody. It started by hobbyists setting up a business. Obviously, you wouldn't you wouldn't put Games Workshop and the word hobby in the same same sentence. Really, they obviously produce hobby products and they produce hobby items, but they are a business. They are on the FTSE two hundred and fifty here in the UK. They're on the stock exchange. There they, there was an article today, funny enough, that went up saying that their company is worth three point nine billion or something like that. Yes. It is not. It is not a hobby like and a lot of people, unfortunately, because it it's roots as a as an industry started within John and Fred in your shed, if that makes sense. OK, people assume and still see it as that many years down the line. And, and unfortunately, there's loads and loads and loads of people who have started businesses in this industry and unfortunately run it as a hobby or have that hobby mindset when it comes to it. I come from a recruitment background, as I've already mentioned, and I'm very much business driven, corporate and all those kind of things and try to do things as professionally as possible. So for me, going from recruitment into an industry that's very hobby orientated and doesn't have that commercial nature to it, it's, it's a very strange. That's why I say it's a very weird and interesting industry, because. I run Siege like a professional business and like a corporate entity, which is what we are. However, on a day-to-day basis, I'm talking about Space Marines and Tyrannids with my customers, and and and, and, and I love this chapter because of this character or because of this. So it's a very, very weird mix of we're a professional business, but we have to we have these conversations which are really deep, deeply enriched narrative from a, from something someone's passion or hobby, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where the areas the issues of the issues come for a lot of people is they feel that they're giving their their time should be covered which is correct if you do choose to sell it as a commodity and time can be sold as a commodity you pay for lessons to learn how to drive you're paying for someone's time which is just experience you pay it's, it's no different from that at all whatsoever um and the last thing i'll say and i don't mean to, i can talk for england as i'm sure you can tell but i, I don't want to chew your ear off but the reality <laughs> is is that is that this industry like and i'm specifically talking about commission painting like people enter into it thinking it's going to be this amazing thing that like you get to paint all these models and all these cool things blah blah the reality is you will do you will paint stuff that you don't like you will disagree with client specifications you'll have to do stuff that you don't necessarily like or enjoy because that's what the client loves and and unfortunately a lot of people don't realize that and that, and they enter it thinking it's going to be this really easy thing and it and it isn't um on top of that and the last thing which is it's not regulated as i mentioned like you know there is no in 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 carpentry, electrical work, or it's the only trade globally that is a trade that has no accreditation or regulatory body, if that makes sense. So for us as a business, and I'm, I know in the states and uh, you know in Canada, Australia, it's not really used, but we have something in England and Europe called Trust Pilot, which is a third-party review platform. Okay. Um, it's internationally recognized because it's used in loads of different countries. Uh, we are the only company in the industry to have a trust pilot, which is a third party review website. And, you know, humbly, we have a 95% rating on there. You know, again, you're never going to have a hundred percent. There's always people that perhaps don't, don't agree with something or feel that something's not right or their expectations have not been met, but then they haven't written down something they want or whatever the case may be. The reality is to have as an eight year trading business and 95% rating on there is something that is some form of accreditation, which makes us obviously the professional business, which we are, you know, and, and, and that's what I would say, like, you know, that's, that's the whole, my whole synopsis on the industry, what commission <laughs> painting is, you know, and I, and I didn't mean to just vomit that at you, but the reality <laughs> is I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather explain it as warts and all black and white as I physically can. Cause that's, that's how I am. So, so yeah.
0: No, I mean, that's, it it's, some of the things you said are very interesting and like in my head, I'm going through, okay, so there's no accreditation, but there are competitions and that helps, you know, like winning a competition is something you put on your resume to attract yeah. people in. And so there's, there's a whole, yeah. you know, it, it is, um, it, it's always just interesting to me because I could, I could never, um, I did one project for somebody that was 25 models for their D D game. It yeah. was the most, painful experience in painting <laughs> I've ever been through in my life I can barely paint a squad of three so like the concept of doing a commission and commission work to me is like yeah I would probably leave the hobby but there are yeah. people that can approach it from a business standpoint like it appears that you can and also separate it and go you know what I'm doing this business side here and now I'm going to paint on my own for myself an artistic piece and enjoy that as well exactly so, yeah you know, and that's something I, man, yeah, I, I had a couple of years ago, somebody had asked me to do a commission and I thought about it for all of 10 seconds and went, no, no. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's not, as I said, it's not for everybody. You know, it really isn't like, and you do, you know, um, it's it's not like, uh, again, a lot of people get into it thinking it's going to be this 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 thing they're going to love and everything they're going to do is what they love and blah, blah. And the reality is, and, you know, you need to understand that there will be days that you'll paint your favorite models and you'll paint stuff that you absolutely fall in love with and just don't simply want to send back to the client as much as they paid you everything, blah, blah, because you love what you've achieved and done. And, and you know, and then there are the days there are the jobs that you just hate, you know, and it is, and it, and that's because we treat it like a job and, and I've got to be black and white with you. But the reality is, is that, irrespective of not liking the scheme or not liking the miniature or not liking whatever you are paid to do a job and finish a miniature and you do it to the standard that the client has paid for. And also the, the, the the specification that the client is requesting, Um, you know, and it's, it's as simple as that. And you have to understand that there is with, with, with sugar, there is always salt. That's the way to explain it, you know? So, so yeah, that's the best thing I can say. I can say on it.
0: You know, and that that's interesting that you pointed out the, the standard thing is one, that's one of the things that always, um, there's such a broad uh, spectrum of what uh, a standard is. And I noticed like on, on your site, you have like bronze, uh, silver, gold, and you have like display and then like platinum display as well. And so I, I, yeah. how did you kind of come up with those? Because I see people that post stuff, um like i see something from like a sergio cowboy and he says oh this is tabletop and i'm like well shit that's better than any display model i've ever <laughs> painted and so yeah. I'm like shut up you know and then and then you see stuff that's you know much on a much more manageable in, in context for me uh of what would be a yeah. tabletop painting so how did for siege studios how did you come up with your formula
1: so so like uh like many many years ago like as i've already mentioned like um Painting tiers or levels are just time, uh, a greater time investment. That's what it is. Um, And and, and what it is, is that you have a foundation of the quality that you wish to to paint to. So it's very, very clean, very sharp. It's a a stylistic approach to it and all those kind of things as well. So that's that's the starting point, if that makes sense. Um, Our level is just really quick synopsis and not trying to do a super hard plug. I'll just explain it as it is bronze for us is a premium gaming it is an above tabletop as a minimum standard that's what we offer as our very minimum standard it's an above tabletop quality silver is what we would call our display quality gold is box art so pretty much what you see on the cover of the box that's quality and platinum is a competition quality it's the quality that is uh, that is entered into competitions at at the top tier if that makes sense here at Siege, again, we have 42 painters, all of which are competition finalists, winners, X heavy metal, uh, and we've got Slayer Sword winners that are in the business. We have, as I said, multiple Golden Demon winners that work for the business. That amazing complement of staff which we've got that paint for the business, it would be a discredit and disservice to them to paint what under that, which essentially is a tabletop level, if that makes sense. We, you, you, you know, that, that is essentially the modus operandi of, of Siege. We are a premium painting studio painting super high levels. Bronze, silver, gold, platinum, back in the day when I started Siege, nobody had those names for levels. And if I'd been, the one mistake I made is I didn't make uh, written level names because that's what I should have done. All right, okay. Obviously many years have passed and you will see there are, again, remaining professional, those names have been copied. All right, okay, quite frankly. And um, just because you go to X place and they have a silver or have a gold does not ne- does not mean you are getting what, our gold or our silver is, if if you follow me, if that makes sense. Um, Again, there is no regulation. It's completely, um, someone, one person's level is one thing. One person's level is another thing. Like, and that's exactly my point on what you're saying about Sergio Cavatore's tabletop, for example, his consideration for tabletop is, is a certain level, if that makes sense, where others would look at it and be like, Oh, it, that's not tabletop. That's way above tabletop. It's very similar to say, for example, if you went to the Louvre, like I, when I went to Paris and went to the Louvre uh, art museum, and I saw the Mona Lisa for the first time, my expectation was that it was this massive painting, you know, blah, blah. In reality, it's this tiny thing on the wall it's, it's tiny some people will look at that and be like that's incredible that's amazing uh, you know it's worth one point whatever billion dollars or pounds or whatever and then someone else will look at it and go i'm expecting it to be this four foot by five foot painting it's you know blah blah and it's not it's this tiny little thing that can't be worth that so it's perception of what it is and it's perception of quality but really in an unreg- unregulated industry and again we are talking about art here like miniature painting is art it is a form of art Uh, that's what it is um so like uh one company's levels will be very very different to another company's levels and we get it all the time oh i've seen uh, here's some reference artwork it's from this place blah blah blah. it's their level four or level three whatever you know what what you know i want it painted like this and then we'll look at it and we'll be like well that that isn't it's one of the mid levels of that company or person or whatever it's that's not our level or just vice versa it kind of works out that way so like taking the siege hat off and just being down as a hobbyist and painter myself. Any, what I would say to people is look at the galleries, look at the quality in each of the galleries, look at what you are purchasing and make an informed decision based upon what you see on their website. If that makes sense. Um, you know, I can't talk for other companies cause I don't know them, you know, and again, remaining as professional as possible. Like here at my business, we take super clear photos they don't get mucked around with at all in Photoshop. They are what you see is what you get. It's a well painted miniature on a blank canvas background, well lit, and that is it. That's what you get from us, you know. And hopefully, you know, remaining as humble as physically possible. When you go on our website, that is what you see, um, you know. So, so that that's a bit about levels and a bit of an explanation about levels. But just as a consumer. Go onto the website, have a very good look, you know, uh, and, and just see what it is that you're paying for, you know, and, and, and that's the best bit of advice that I would give. You know, you can't really compare one company to another. Um, obviously, you can look at something and be, well, that's better painted or that's neater or that's sharper or that's, that, that's better than that, for example. But it's art. So they're, they're very different. You know, um, you know, it's like trying to say to somebody, Well, will compare that Picasso uh, picture against that Monet picture. Which one's better? Well, it's not that one's better or the other. It's just that one's painted a certain way. One's painted another. If it's neater and sharper, the appearance of the picture might be better, but it doesn't detract from
0: what it is. So, so yeah and it may not evoke the same emotion, and something that's a messier painting may evoke a better emotion, you know, exactly. like, and reaction, you know, and it's interesting, too, I also think our listeners should take a look at the gallery on the Seat Studios, for inspiration, even if, um, yeah, you, know, you know, there there's a lot of high quality paint jobs on there, and, you know, things that you can aspire to, that's always one of the things we try to encourage, uh, look at pa- other painters' work, don't discourage by it, you know, like, Uh, aspire don't run away you
1: know exactly yeah i agree completely
0: so what is the biggest commission you've ever done
1: uh biggest probably the uh probably the gene stealer cult army that we done for for lawrence at tabletop the tabletop tactics like uh it just had so many models like it's just like ludicrous like i think you're talking like 150 infantry like six or uh, i think eight, eight eight to ten tanks like about 12 to 12 characters you know, like, uh, you know, it's just, it was just ludicrous. And and on top of it, as well as obviously all the gene stealer cult, you, you've got loads of gene stealers to go with it as well. Like, you know, rippers and loads of things. So it's just, it's just a bonkers, bonkers job. It was massive. Um That's just in one phase. I mean, we've, we've got, you know, many clients that return to the business and add and top up their armies and so on and so forth. I mean, we've got one one project ongoing at the moment that's assist as a battle army that the, the first phase was big enough to be a two and a half thousand point army in itself. And, and we're on phase seven of of the army. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, um, it's, it's, we've, we've done in eight years, we have done, crazy bonkers projects for size we've done crazy bonkers projects for for just the narrative and background behind it like and i'm sure anyone that that knows of siege in some form will know that we painted a space marine army many years ago themed after bacon um, there's a couple of videos on the channel. Um, you know, like, uh, we, we, we get crazy, crazy, um, you know, like uh, the, the spec sheet for that project was literally uh, a word document and in all the boxes that they need to put information in rather than text, they just put pictures of pigs or rashes of bacon, you know? So, um, That's so fantastic. yeah, like, um, so it's just, uh, you know, we, we, we've had just ludicrous for, for just, and it's, it's hilarious. We get to work on, you know, taking people's narrative and passion and armies and things like you know and and just turning it to 11 so like yeah it's you know it's been crazy but yeah the gene stealer cult as an individual army the gene stealer cult the full gene stealer cult army which we've done for lawrence the tabletop tactics that that in itself is probably the largest physical single project army however we have completed armies which are like five six seven eight nine phases that for model count obviously dwarf that but we've not done it all in one go if that makes sense
0: Sure, and I'm just curious now, were you guys sick of bacon or craving bacon afterwards, after, you know, painting the bacon <laughs> on me? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, like, yeah, Ben, who painted it, never wanted to, I think, I don't think he ate, ate bacon for about four weeks after he'd done the project, so, <laughs> so yeah, all the purity seals were rashes of bacon, so uh, that was Oh, that. nice, that's that fantastic. That. Yeah, so, Did you make yeah. the
0: tip of it an egg or something, you know, like yeah, a, yeah, the like, actual like a, wax? Like a, like a fried tomato kind of thing so
1: yeah like, like, so yeah like there was a sergeant that was converted that had like a squeegee bottle of ketchup and was spraying it into like a bacon sandwich so like um yeah it's just they, we had
0: some crazy fun with it so so yeah uh, and that, that's those are the type of projects i can imagine that kind of reinvigorate too if you're in the doldrums and you get somebody who's like <laughs> Hate my Nurgle as a traveling circus. You know that <laughs> might be a lot of fun, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know. we've had some
1: funny things over the years, like you know, and that's the beauty of our clients, and and the, the the absolute pleasure it gives us as a business to just to just bring people's like mad ideas to reality in fruition. You know, it's just yeah, it's just very funny.
0: Um, so uh, talk to me about what was the most difficult commission that you've had to do then. So you had the biggest was the Tyranids. What, what's the hardest one?
1: I don't think when I say hard, I I mean purely as a result of um, it's also very humbling. And it's also a big, big mountain to climb when we have clients that approach us and go, I want the Space Marine Army, but I'm going to give you full a full artistic license to work on it. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a very much a massive compliment because it's like they trust and believe in the business and the brand enough to allow us to just do what we do as a company. And obviously when you dilute that down individually to the allocated painter that works on the project, it's their choice to actually decide what the army finishes as they don't know that client. They don't know what the the client likes about the background or anything at that point until they, and that's the purpose of receiving a specification, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when you do literally get, Uh, here's the loadout of the army you can choose whatever colors you like you can do whatever you like with them you can use you know blah blah whatever sort of iconography and all these kind of things it's it's i think they're they're the more difficult projects for for many reasons and the first one being is that we have the super you know humbled approach we're like wow we have to you know nail this because the client has this like incredibly you know humbling belief in what we do as a business but also at the same time making sure that we meet their expectations without them actually setting their expectations if you follow me i think it's a, it's a very difficult uh it's a very difficult thing to 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 to, to, to have to do like you know and um, so i think that's probably the most difficult thing um you know uh we we've had various projects that we've had like you know i want i want a sister as, we, we had as a sister's battle army which is actually that project that i'm talking about that's got seven phases that you know the client just said look i want a sister's of battle army uh here's all the models i'm doing for the first phase um i i purely want it a color scheme that allows me to use all the rules in the codex so they want don't want them any of the, not, not the known orders so like bloody rose or uh, you know any of those ones at all whatsoever, like argent shroud or whatever they just purely want a color scheme which they can switch the rules out obviously there must be a competitive gamer that's perfectly understandable like so that is the very that's what that's what I would consider, and what I think we see as a difficult task. It's it's difficult because we want to make sure the client is happy with the project, and it, but it's but it's satisfying because we've been super humbled in like go crazy, guys. I firmly believe in what you can produce for me. It's it's a, it's like it's the most high risk environment to be in when people are paying decent money for something they're going to keep. You know what I mean? It's 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 a very very it's it's an honor and a pleasure to work on projects like that, and quite quite honestly i would gladly take a really concise to the point specification whereby i want uh, an ultramarines a blood angel space wolf howling griffin's army with this 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 all of them have to have this I, we would have that every day because then it just gives us you know a skeleton to just put the flesh onto if that makes sense mm-hmm. the ones that just go go crazy guys we're just like oh, what if they don't like it you know and that's and unfortunately obviously they've, they've given us artistic license so really you know again all cards on table what we do is obviously what they have to have but at the same time we obviously want to make sure that they love what we're going to do for them we i would hate it my job apart from firefighting when there's a worldwide pandemic on my job is to make sure that we hit customers expectations and deliver for them projects that they're going to keep for the rest of their life you know Um, that, that's, that's, that's my job, you know, is to satisfy customers and make sure that they, they, they are happy as a consumer and customer and client of this business. Um, and those open specs make that job more high risk and harder because we have to, we have to knock it out of the park every time. And that's, that's, that's the job, you know? So, so yeah, that's what I would say is difficult.
0: You know, um, I'm curious, so we've talked mostly about Warhammer. Do you guys do commissions outside of Warhammer, like War Machine or Hordes or Infinity or anything along those lines?
1: Yeah, um, we do. Just to get that flat out, Lee, like you, 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 you say obviously within Warhammer but, but Siege stereotypically, and it, it's not through uh, through me gearing it and aiming it this way over the eight years. Like, um, we're stigmatized as a 40K studio. Obviously, look, we love 40K. We're all passionate 40K lovers of the narrative, the models, the background, all those things we will paint anything. Like uh, I've got members of the team that are massively into st- historicals, bolt action, the, the world, world war two models, you know, uh, infinity, um, all these different things. I've got team members that love all of those things. And we'll, we will paint any miniatures. All right. Okay. Uh, we, we, we've painted air fix kits. We've painted loads of things over the years, like model aircraft. kits. However, as a business within the war industry, our core business is, is obviously games workshop 40 K. That's, right. that's the core business. And, and, and even with Age of Sigma, like I love forty k, eight foot tall, bolt in space marines and blood angels. Don't get me wrong. However, I love Age of Sigma miniatures. I think the sculpts, the quality of the design, the the really awesome narrative behind it. I think they're great, and I do think that some of them are a bit better than forty k models. But we just don't get enough of them in because yeah. because forty k is this leviathan of a, of a of a game system that that is, and again. You got to take your hat off to Games Workshop because they've created a narrative and background that is not only addictive, but people can see they can see themselves within that narrative and and warm to a certain faction, like I love Blood Angels, or like Joe in the Office loves Dark Angels, or whatever the case may be. It's it's it, like yeah, it's it's the forty k narrative is more. uh, it's more in depth than I would say the vast, many other narratives from even other science fictions, like, you know, like even Star Trek, Star Wars, all these kinds of things. Like, as much as I love those things, 40K as a genre and as a, as a background is immense. And that's why we are stigmatized, not through our choice as a 40K studio. But if you send us anything else, we will grab it with both hands and we will do it just to the same standard and just to the same ability. So I hope that answers the question.
0: Well, absolutely, and you know, and uh, let's be honest. In the hobby world, and game tabletop gaming world, Games Workshop is the big dog. I mean, yeah. that's, they're, they're they're the 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 largest company of them all. So, you know, yeah. that's now there's no there's no shame in that, and that's where you know, of course, you that's a market that you have to focus on because that's going to be, you know, and in in uh, it's interesting. You talked about it. I, I I love the Stormcast Eternals. I know they get the whole Sigma right. and a Sigma <laughs> thing, but you know what? They were the right size before space Marines were the right size. You know what I mean? Those were, those were the right size (laughs) uh, first. And, you know, it took a while for them to, I don't ever want to paint a pre-Primaris Marine again. I mean, once, I I feel like once you paint a Primaris, you're like, okay, let me get rid of all those other models. This (laughs) is, this is how it should have been years ago, you know? Um, yeah. especially when you're, when I was looking at the old road trader stuff, I have Rogue, the Rogue trader box one of the Marines. And I also have, um, some of the Imperial guard Rogue trader, the plastic kit. And I look, I'm like, they're the same size, you know, they're yeah. not, they shouldn't be, you know, this guy's supposed to be eight foot tall, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm right there with you. I think we need more Stormcast models too. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, very good. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, w- with that also being said, is there uh, one of the things I ask a lot of our uh, our, our guests is uh, Are there uh, is there a model or are there models out there that you would like to paint um, that haven't been made? Like I always use uh, Stephen King Stephen King's Dark Tower series. I would love yeah. to see miniatures for like the Gunslinger and all that made, and I love to paint those. But is there anything like out there uh, out there for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there's load there's loads of of of, of Rich, immersive, narrative-based backgrounds and stories, and books and things like that—that that you just, you know, you're never going to. Well, not I say never, but are going to very. It's going to be very difficult for them to be released as miniatures, you know, uh, unless you develop a game around them, or unless you develop like a, um, you know, a, a board game around them, or something like that. Like, um, I, I think because I am a GW fanboy, and I've got to—I'll always admit this. Like, you know, I am—I am a huge Games Workshop fanboy. At, at, you know. Uh, and that's that is I I don't personally I painted the odd bust or the odd infinity model, um, but I I don't really go outside of that, or I'll pick up like an Airfix kit or something. So um I wouldn't say that there's any from narrative that you know uh, that that I like that haven't been released personally. Like I've painted some of the Star Wars Legion models, like Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, all those kind of things. They're really cool models, um, but I don't get the appeal that I get. From, from 40k models being frank like that i you know i i think that for me and this is just me personally there needs to be some connection to the miniature for me to enjoy painting it personally like um you know in a sense of uh, for me personally not for a commission um but like but for me personally so um i haven't painted any of the marvel crisis protocol models they look great and i love obviously marvel and all that kind but i don't but i but i don't have a connection to painting them if that makes sense you know i, I, don't, I don't know i don't know how to explain it i think there's some there's some star so. trek there's some star trek models that i probably would love to see like i'd lo- i would i would love and they, they are released to say to it's which is, isn't directly answering your question like the uss Define is one of my favorite ships from star trek from ds9 like i'd love to do a model of that um you know um within the realms of the narrative that i love like yeah there's characters uh, that i would love to to paint that haven't gotten miniatures that haven't been released you know um or haven't had updated models in a very very long time you know um but you know that, that's that, that, that the models will come for those you just have to be patient you know it's just you know um it's part of the part of the lovely thing that we
0: get delivered every month is is loads and loads of new toys from Games to Workshop. so and everything slowed down because of the pandemic yeah exactly releases you know and I I get the personal connection thing I have a bunch of chaos models that I sold because I just was looking at them and I they just don't appeal to me but how, somebody was very happy to buy them off of me, and exactly. well, it was it was, a, it was a trade for store credit thing that went on, and so <laughs> I went and used that store credit and bought models I wanted to paint. So it's exactly. it, a, a free market and its finest, right? Um, so one of the things we do when when we kind of uh, wrap up interviews is the motto of the podcast is better, braver, happier. Um, can you give our listeners some advice as they continue their journeys on that path?
1: 100 million percent.
0: Yeah. Um, I,
1: I am super passionate about uh, pushing people as hard as possible when it comes to painting. I think um, I think there's a very good acronym, which I use a lot, which is uh, f- uh, the the word fear, which is false expectations appearing real. OK. Um, And a lot of people um, have, and it's not like you're scared of like, you know, death or anything crazy like that, but it's, 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 it's almost, and I don't want to belittle anxiety. That's not the angle that I'm going for here. But what I mean is that, is that people will see a model that they really like, and they'll go, Oh, I'm not good enough to paint that. Okay. Rather than looking at that miniature and going, that model's incredible. I love it. I'm going to paint it, and I'm going to push myself as hard as possible on it. If that makes sense, you know, um, I think you a lot of people that that don't have that jump off a cliff mindset when it comes to to, to that fight or flight when it comes to it should really just you're not. Like, what what is the worst that's going to happen? Yes, you you could potentially potentially muck up or ruin a model that you spent X amount of dollars or pounds on, if that makes sense. Okay. You could potentially, but if you, if you're refined and careful and, and consistent and you take your time with it and you just really concentrate on the mindset of, I must paint the best I can. Your results, because you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, which is something I've spoken about already, that that will give you mitigate and reduce the risk of those false expectations becoming real rather than appearing real, if that makes sense. Yeah. So my biggest bit of advice to anybody, any painters out there that are listening to this that want to improve their painting is to not have fear or anxiety of a sort towards picking up, picking a model up that they've always wanted to paint, paint, but they've been too worried or scared or anxious to paint because they feel they're going to do a poor job on it. As long as your mindset when you approach that miniature is I've got to paint this the best I can. I've got to do everything as carefully and as refined as possible. Yeah, nothing negative is going to happen to me. I'm not going to lose a limb or I'm not going to you know, you know know die or any crazy thing like that. The worst that can happen is that you paint it to your current ability. That is the worst that can happen. Yeah. However, with that mindset of I'm going to do this the best I can and really try to make this the neatest, the sharpest, the, the, the most refined, the smoothest, the best blended, all those kind of things. Yeah. You will always grow as a painter. Always. And one of the greatest challenges that I set myself as a painter, you know, entering into, into Golden Demon many years ago was I I always wanted to do a squad. I'd always wanted to do a squad of, of, of honor guard, blood angels honor guard. Yeah. Okay. And I said to myself, I'm gonna paint every single one with the mindset that I I'm not allowed to make a mistake and I've got to be as neat and as sharp and as best that I can. Yeah. And in that one piece, those five models in that squad, I learned more and grew more as a painter. Because of putting myself outside of my comfort zone and current painting ability by going, I've got to be better than I, than I know that, than I currently am, if that makes sense. And when you incorporate into that the process of I'm going to do some freehand on it, I'm going to do some uh, some blending that looks like NMM, I'm going to do some, some this on it or I'm going to do this on it. When you start incorporating those things, like for example, two of them have got bare heads. I'm going to paint the best flesh and the best faces that I've ever done. And I'm going to really put effort into it. The moment you put yourself outside your comfort zone, you will start growing as a painter. Never, ever, ever have fear or be anxious about painting a miniature because you think you're going to ruin it. The worst thing that's going to happen is, yes, you might paint it to your current ability or make a mistake, but it's not the end of the world. And it's more about learning from mistakes and issues that you make than anything else that is the greatest gift that painting something outside your comfort zone will give you is, is the ability to grow and learn from mistakes. If you follow me, um, you know, and the worst case is, is if you are worried and you've got a friend who humbly is a better painter than you, and you can easily admit, look, John, Tim, whoever you're my, one of my good friends, you're a better painter than me. Do you mind me sending you photos and getting, and giving me advice on where I need to improve on this or what I need to do better as I'm painting it? Do you mind that? No, I'm your friend. Of course, I'm going to help you, you know? So, so, with those two things, just go at things and, and attack them without any fear or reservation of making that mistake or your expectations become your, – your false expectations of making mistakes or be it doing something bad becoming real because they won't. They genuinely won't With that, if you have the right mindset and approach it with that fashion. And that's, a lot, that's, that's how I would say it.
0: Sorry to go on. No, that's okay. Thank you very much. No, I really appreciate it. It's always um... – many artists say very similar things but they say them in different ways which reaches different audiences and touches different people you know what I'm saying like so you know one of of the things that people can never hear too much of is uh that you should fail and fail hard because that's how you learn the best you know that's how you how you learn but you know that you those are just type of things that you know should be I have. I, I need to hear them, you know, over and over as a painter myself. So, you know, they, I, at least at some level, yeah. they're being, You know, somebody's being reached, right? <laughs> but uh, I hope so. Yeah, I
1: genuinely, genuinely hope so.
0: So, uh, James, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'll, I'll let you know that we'll have in our show notes and all, all over our. Uh, social media will have uh links uh to siege studios uh, and i also believe you have a patreon as well
1: yeah yeah we do we, we, we obviously because of the pandemic we we've started doing online tuition to to compensate for obviously not doing physical classes here in the uk and we get a lot of people ask us about oh, do you do like tuition classes in other countries which we we, we haven't been able to do over the past couple of years when we could do classes and it just gives us the ability to teach people internationally which i think is is is, is good so that's
0: wonderful uh, absolutely so, yeah. Yeah, no, and it's funny because we we yeah, I, started the podcast with the thought process that we were going to start do doing convention hopping here in the U.S. and we started in January of last year and we went, don't <laughs> not happening, you know.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. I just sure. want to say a big thank you for having me, having me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And, and thank you very much to all your listeners for for, for taking interest and, and to listening to me, you know, rabbit
0: on about this industry. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so a, a big, big thank you. Awesome. Thank you for being here for sure. Dan and I would like to thank James from Siege Studios for joining us today. And, uh, telling us about his painting journey and how the world of COVID has affected him, the business, and all those other things, wonderful things that are going on. Uh, check out Siege Studios on Instagram and Facebook uh, just by searching under their names. We'll also put links in the show description. So thank you again, James. We look forward to talking to you again in the future. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dry Painting and also send us a line if you have any questions want to see anything in the show tell us what we're how we're doing and what you're working on at listening to at so yeah we're looking forward to hearing from you all you can also like subscribe follow wherever you get your podcasts from and that includes everything from audio junkie amazon apple all over the place also if you could stop leave us a review that would be wonderful that would really help us out a lot Becoming a better, braver, happier painter is a challenge, but I'm really confident that you can all do it. So until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPDWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the Free Music Archive on a non-commercial attribution share-alike basis, all views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.